Hello and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for November has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5 and they really are fantastic. Check them out at cashfly.com, that's C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know that you heard all about them here on 5x5. I'm Ian Broom. And I'm Donna Sorensen. And um, we're back and refreshed and we've had... Uh, uh, well, <laughs> well. As refreshed as, <laughs> as refreshed as you can be with the three tiddly toddlers running around. And a uh, cold. And a cold in your case. Um, can you hear me breathing? Um, I mean, that's such a, sin- uh, such a, such a sinister question. <laughs> I'm asking the listeners, can you hear me breathing right now? So I've got my headphones on. All I can hear is myself breathing. You know, when you yeah. So uh, I just hope that it's it's not too loud, everybody. I'll try to keep my breathing quiet. I'll try to just keep on breathing in the background. When I was um, a younger man, probably yeah. sort of teenager, probably a little bit before that, I used to um, I used to get really obsessed and maybe a little kind of terrified by the fact that when it, when it, when I went to sleep, I could kind of hear the thumping of my own pulse or heart, heartbeat or whatever it is that people hear i think everyone has it mm. that kind of internal kind of thump 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 when i was younger i was frightened by it yeah well it's your own mortality eh? i went through a phase of of thinking oh my goodness i'm just this sack of things that all has to try to work together and anything could go wrong at any moment did you go through that phase as well i think that's just an ongoing sort of phase Oh dear! But Always um, in the background. yeah. Apart from that, um, we've got a, a, a show full of a cheerier show, a much, much cheerier than that, a much cheerier show than we've presented so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh dear. So yeah. Anyway, we're back, feeling refreshed, questioning our own mortality, and um, and uh, we have some writing subjects to talk about. We've got a few things to talk about. We'll hopefully get through all of them. I'm very pleased to say that this week's episode is sponsored by. Backblaze, which is a fantastic service that I hope all writers, that well, anyone who's listened to this, but especially if you're a writer, um, I hope that um, you rush off and sign up because um, it's essential that you do. But we'll come on to that later. Um, and uh, before then, we're going to talk about, um, what should we start with? Let's start with, um, we're on 5x5, five five, aren't we? The old 5x5 five five network where there's a lot of techno uh, techno podcasts and, uh, and uh, electro discussions. Um, so let's start with Apple and um, and some uh, interesting wordplay. Um, yeah. It's not really wordplay. earth-shattering news that they have changed their free button to a get button in Ind- the App Store. Indeed, on the, in, on the App Store. So on, on the um, uh, you know, iPhone and iPad App Store, iOS App Store and the Mac App Store. Is the, you, th- previously, if you don't already know, they would have uh, a button that said either the price of the app, so one ninety nine or two ninety nine, whatever it might be, or if the app was free, then you'd just have a button that said free in capital letters. And, um, and of course, you just tap on the button, and if it's free, well, actually, both times, depending on whether you've got your, how you've got your password settings set up, you just enter your details and, hello, hello app, it appears on your phone. But before we talk about the change from free to get i think it's uh interesting to start with apple and language slightly anyway because um there is as there always is with apple but you know people people are always interested in these types of things language wise anyway but um it's it's something that that they kind of do like language is really important to apple you know they 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 have this sort of wonderful and i imagine very talented and probably quite expensive marketing department um, although the reality is, little fact for you, they spend considerably less on marketing than their competitors like Samsung and the like. Anyway. Hmm. How do you know that? Because I listen to techno podcasts on 5x5 five yeah. five and other places. Um, and because I'm a loser. Um, but So language is important to Apple, but primarily we see it in their marketing and that kind of thing. And I remember being... I really clearly remember that the um, 
when the I can't even remember which device. I think it was an iPod of some sort, and it was described as the funnest iPod ever. And kind of the traditionally taught English uh, graduate in me was outraged. The funnest iPod ever. That's ridiculous. But then, the, by that by that stage, it's only a few years ago. I'd already kind of signed up to the idea of plain English, and I was using plain English in my day job and my work, and that became an integral part of all of my writing. So I thought about it more, and I thought the funnest iPod ever. Well, there's a bit of fun to that headline, and it's kind of playing with words, and it's probably what a lot of people might actually say. So I was able to kind of come around to Apple's way of thinking, and was was kind of fine with that. But it's because Apple said it. Are you suggesting that I'm saying that because I like Apple products as opposed to other ones? Yes, I'm suggesting that you didn't go into that decision about the funnest, or the use of the word funnest, um, without preconception, because you are a fan of Apple. That is why you have now embraced it. Isn't it amazing that you can accept things if it's said by somebody or something, an organisation that you respect? Well, I think you are a nuts chuff away from calling me an Apple fanboy. <laughs> which I object Come to. On. But, you uh, but, object to it. Well, you I object, do like Apple. I object to it in the sense that, um, for example, I have no particular affinity with any kind of um, shop that I might see on the street um, at all. But if I see... Um, uh, let's say a hardware store that's called Harry's Hardware and they've used an apostrophe correctly, I will applaud that company till the cows come home because you don't often see an apostrophe used correctly in a shop sign. So I, I, I'm just interested in language full stop. I think, that, I think that it's just coincidental that I also happen to prefer Apple's stuff to anyone else's. I, get, I take your point, and, and, and this is certainly the last thing you, you said about how we're influenced by the speaker as much as we are what's being said. I think that's, that's definitely true. Hmm, I hope so, because as we know, language changes anyway, doesn't it? And it, it's, it's always changed by people that, that have some kind of influence on us all ultimately well should we let's let's get serious i think uh uh our old pal barack obama um, what's he been doing now well he's the he's he's had a i mean i'm all i'm all for him in 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 principle but um his oratory skills in many situations kind of far outweigh what he's he's kind of done in in the whatever sort of political situation he happens to be talking about um you know he's just a brilliant speaker and you're captivated by him and you know there was there were lots of reasons he came into uh you know he won the presidency lots and lots of reasons um but the fact that he couldn't half sort of tell a story and, and and speak well and communicate well was uh you know important yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it is with um, in politics in general. Indeed, there are plenty of politicians in the, in the UK who uh, have based entire careers out of uh, being able to speak well. Anyway, my, my second sort of Apple-related point to just sort of illustrate how important it is to them was the recent, uh, I don't know if you read this, it's actually just a wonderful thing, but uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, one of the biggest sort of uh, wealthiest companies in the world, came out... Uh, um, in a public kind of short essay, and it was just really well considered, and um, well written, and to the point, and you know, fantastic in pretty much every way. Um, so, get what do you think? Um, well, as I said, I mean, I can see the difference. I don't think it's going to rock my world at all in any way shape or form but I can see why they've done it because they are saying things are free when potentially they're not free because they're going to have think parts of of the app that you might need to pay for in the future or elements that you have to pay for even though downloading the thing in its entirety is free yeah I mean that's that is absolutely why they've done it but there was a I don't know the fine details but there's like a, a European commission or, or something to do with the EU kind of said you can't be doing that, Mr. Apple. You can't you can't have a free button and then have the consumer then get the supposedly free item and 
they they've got buttons all over where they're expected to pay it's just it's uh you know the, the reason they have changed it you know i think it's fairly clear is on a kind of technicality from uh mm. those on high and it is you know being able to put the word free anywhere is obviously absolutely ideal and wonderful and i just think it's amazing how loosely we our interpretation of the word free people can say free to us and we accept that it's actually not free but we still call it free my mum is a good example hi mum by the way um, and this might be quite a, a, a uk centric comment but my mum is, is is someone who talks about the fact that she's got free she can make free calls between like from mobile to mobile or something on her mobile phone when actually she's paying the contract you know but yes, within well, that, that's she, uh, sorry. No, but you know, within that, then certain types of calls you don't have to pay extra for, and it's amazing how that language has just seeped into like everyday use. I've got free calls here, and that I was going to say was that's exactly how it's sold as well. When you look at your tariffs, you say, well, for forty pounds a month, you get a hundred free texts. For fifty pounds a month, you get a thousand free texts and you're going no. wow look at all these free texts wow. if i just oh, pay 10 pounds so cool. more i can get free stuff <laughs> yeah exactly but we accept it and it it's yeah language in it language capitalism Rawr. well there's the title of the show if i can find a way of but there was another reason i found it quite interesting I, uh, there's a couple of things I, I tweeted about this i tweeted sort of three consecutive messages on twitter early on um you know because this is an important subject and i had an opinion i didn't get any replies favorites or retweets from any of those <laughs> <laughs> any of them however i'm going to repeat my point here um it's uh, i mean it's an interesting thing to do in the sense that this is this huge company and the app store is you know used by millions and millions of people so what is absolutely not really going to transform anyone's lives it's going to be seen by a lot of people so linguistically it's probably the most significant uh change to the english language that's happened today probably isn't but you know that we all mm. know about um mm. so it, it, these things do matter and yeah the word get is a really interesting one because in plain english um when you're kind of learning the basics the word get is one that the plain English gurus usually suggest you use instead of lots of other words. So things like acquire or purchase or or like a phrase like um, um, let me think of one. What's the what's that ridiculous phrase that people sometimes use? I can't quite remember. But that <laughs> but buying but, something. Well, per, well, purchase would actually usually become buy. But you, it's just that idea of these more complicated words. Like, unfortunately, I can only think of the word acquire at this very second. But the, <laughs> but there are others. I promise. And um, and yeah. So for, so get is one that you that you frequently ask to use, and it really looks weird when you say. Yeah. Um, it looks like a. It, it looks like it stands for something else. It's so direct. Well, that's partly because it's also in uh, in capitals on the App Store, all, mm. all caps. But it, it's such a direct call to action. It's kind of if you acquire something, then it kind of it's somehow hidden beneath the language. It kind of it makes that simple fact that you are getting something um, just sound. It just sort of softens the blow. It doesn't make you sound like you've just snatched it from somewhere. But get is like get it, get get, and it has get, that kind yeah. of feel to it but but it's probably the most direct way of saying what you what is actually happening um, well absolutely because it's um, one of the only words that can cover both something that you pay for and something that you don't pay for absolutely <clears throat> which absolutely. is what it needs absolutely the only problem and i think this is the biggest problem with the change on the app store linguistically is that whereas one night you know one dollar 99 or one pound one pound 99 and then free as an alternative, they're both the same thing. They are both a price. So you know where you stand. You kind of go, well, it's either free or I pay one ninety nine for it. What Get does is completely muddy the waters because one ninety nine is still a, a price, but Get is a is a call to action. And the implication of having two different things, you pay for it or you're, it's free, yeah. now you're two different things. As you've just said, really, it's kind of the, the same thing because if you hit one ninety nine, you're still getting it. And mm. and and it's kind of two types of, it's, it's the, the words the, the two different types of word, and that's the bit that I think is sort of problematic. 
Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it has to muddy the water because the water is muddy and that's what the EU is not liked, is the fact that it's, you know, you can't ever put free there if it's not free. What will be really fascinating to see is, I mean, presumably downloads of Apple's previously free apps will um, will be reduced over the next, like, I don't know how long. I, I mean, there will be an immediate knock-on effect where people are downloading less of the Get apps. Do you think? Because... Yeah, I, I definitely think so, because it doesn't say free. Yeah. And, um, you know, people who haven't used the App Store very much and go on there, if you've got Get versus two ninety nine, actually, that might be a, oh, two ninety nine. That's a lot simpler um, for me to work out in my head. That's cost, that's two ninety nine. I can cope with that. I'm going to get that one. No, it's a good point, and I'm sure there will be some stats at some point that kind of play out. I don't think, like you said at the start, I don't think it'll make a massive difference to anyone's lives in particular, but you're right, maybe it will make a difference to, um, you know, overall downloads. Who knows? If it gets people paying for stuff again, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, well, we shall see. Right, I think this is an opportune moment to uh, talk about our first and only sponsor, which I am, you know, I'll be honest, slightly excited about. Um, mm. one of the best things about um, being on 5x5 five five and having these sponsors is you know that you're pretty much guaranteed to have uh, a sponsor that is uh, extremely useful and a company th- that is is you know producing products that um, you know that your listeners are going to like and this could not be more the case or could not more be the case or whatever which whichever way you want to uh, arrange that sentence Um them with Backblaze. Now, before I start, Donna, tell me, as a writer, you're an author, as are most people listening to this. Hello, yes, I am, yes. What's your backup system for your pre- precious poetry? So, does that how I say backup? I do, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, it was a comedy programme that once said backup. Right, okay. Um, my backup, I have everything on Dropbox. And is that your only backup system? Backup. Um... What about your photos? What about your photos and your music and everything else? Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. iCloud. Everything? (laughs) Not everything. No, we've had to be selective. I don't... Music is an issue. Um, But it's quite funny how, you know, now we've, like, migrated over to Spotify. I hardly ever use all my music I downloaded into iTunes anyway. Forget your music. Photos. Precious, beautiful, wonderful photos of which you have thousands. Yeah, Please tell me they're backed up in some way. You know, for, let's for, let's just put the sponsor to it to one side for a second. Your photos are backed. I'm on them for crying out loud. Yeah, they are. Okay, fine. Anyway, we'll leave that there. It sounds to me like you have a poor backup system, and you need to. Sign I don't. They're in iCloud. <laughs> I just told you. Well, I don't think that's good enough, and let me tell you why. Us writers, uh, I don't mean that. I apologise. That sounds a bit strong. Let me tell you about Backblaze. Backblaze for just an extremely, incredibly low fee of $5 a month, allows you to back up everything on your computer um, online. You can protect your entire digital life, your photos, your videos, your presentations, your work, whether that's your day job, or your work, whether that's your writing, if you're a writer like, uh, like, uh, like me and like Donna, as I'm sure that you are if you're listening to this and uh, your movies, pretty much anything that's on your computer. In fact, everything that's on your computer, that's the entire point, uh, gets backed up to Backblaze. Um, and this is this is something that people don't do. And I've been caught out by it years and years ago before I started backing everything up. I lost lots of my work. I lost my work that I was doing right in the early days of writing my, my novel, um, and it was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking to 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 lose it, and um, and I would hate the idea that there are writers out there where that's still happening when there's something as simple as Backblaze to completely solve the problem. So there are reasons people back things up. Your computer may crash. Your hard drive might be stolen, or if it's your laptop, you might have it stolen if you're in a cafe or something like that. These things happen, even if you have like a. If you live in an area of the world where there are natural disasters, you know, it sounds crazy and you kind of think it won't happen to you and then it does happen to you and you're, you could not possibly feel more terrible. Um, and that's where Backblaze comes in because you can have lots of backup systems, but the great thing about Backblaze is that for just $5 a month, you know that 
your data is being uploaded to Batblazer's servers, and if anything happens at all, it's there, it's safe, safe and sound, and you'll be able to get it back at any time. One of the other great things about Backblaze is that it backs up all of your data on your computer, but you can also access it anywhere, and you can do it on your on, online through your uh, through you know maybe a different computer if there's a problem with your computer, or through your mobile. You can go and go in and find individual files and uh, just access it whenever you want. It's unlimited, which is amazing. So it just uploads everything just for the one fee. And uh, it's available for Mac and PC, which is also very important because I know that a lot of people listen to this work on PCs. I work on a Mac. Backblaze works with both of those things. Um, And if you want, you can contact them and they will sort of send you a restored uh, hard drive, which you can pay for. Or if you want to restore things that you've either lost or have been damaged or stolen, you can do that through the web absolutely free. So there are absolutely no add-ons to the price. There's no gimmicks. There are no additional charges. You can go and get a free trial, and this is the URL that you need to go to. It's backblaze.com slash write. That's write as in W-R-I-T-E. And uh, if you're a writer of any kind and you have work that isn't backed up, then please, please go and get it backed up now and go to Backblaze, $5 a month uh, per computer, unlimited backup, works fast it works really well and you should do it immediately so the, the, the trial is for two weeks and it's, you'd just be crazy not to go and make use of the offer backblaze.com slash right thank you awesome. to backblaze for supporting yes, for supporting the show have a look Fabulous. Donna go and have a look I that's sh- all I'm saying all I'm saying is have a look I will certainly do that and in the meantime should we have a listener's question oh yeah listener's question time Woo-hoo. would you like to tell both I and your, the listeners, what the listeners' question is this week. <laughs> I certainly will tell I. Right, this week. Now, I'm not sure if there's more to this question, but it is so intriguing. This week, we've had a question on Twitter via Katie Dwyer, and her Twitter handle is A-K-A-T-I-E, Dwyer. Um, hello, Katie. Katie asks, what would you do with 10 days of uninterrupted free time? And then... She tells us that she's about to take a cargo freighter across the Atlantic. How cool is that? It does sound cool. It, like, it sounds cool in one way, but in another way, in my head, I can sort of imagine her her in like in one of those uh, these huge shipping containers. Uh, well, like um, the animals on Madagascar. Exactly like the animals in Madagascar, but with no animals, no fun, and very little air. <laughs> Blimey! Well, I have all sorts of images of sitting below deck with all like the people that work on the ship drinking um rum and singing sea shanties like the uh first or second probably second episode of the mysterious cities of gold (laughs) yes and actually i would have liked to have spoken to my friend before answering this listener's question because i have a friend who's a photographer who did this actually took a cargo freighter across the Atlantic in order to do a photo series of the people working on the ship. Um, and I believe he had a very interesting time and got a lot out of the trip. A lot of introspection and time to think, obviously. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I didn't have time to follow up with him, but I will. Well, and what's your answer? What would you do with 10 days of uninterrupted free time? Well, you see, it's two different things. With 10 days of uninterrupted free time on a cargo freighter across the Atlantic... Is I mean I'm I would do something very different to ten days of uninterrupted free time completely on my own on planet Earth in general, um, but I think that I would definitely finish the novel that I started for um, for all the children because I just I I need that big chunk of time for it. I just that would be amazing to have that time to work on that, and I honestly would do that. But then I would also do a lot of watching TV and lying around eating chocolate caramel biscuits. Yes. What about you? Well, I think if I was on a cargo freighter with 10 days of uninterrupted free time, I'd probably spend most of it trying to fashion a sharp implement uh, that I could use to kind of cut my way out of the shipping container. (laughs) If it was 10 days of uninterrupted free time um, um, and I was in the real world... See, the problem with this uh, question is... uh, And and it's why it's a very good question, because it's open to interpretation, is... um, 
is there are lots of variables like are my children there no stop bringing your kids into it this is uninterrupted is someone looking after the kids there are no kids you are in another dimension well in 2005 i've mentioned this previously um i had in inverted commas a sabbatical from my relatively low paid editorial job and the idea was that i would finish my first novel Ace Angelica and um i had i think i can't this two months or three months which was basically unpaid leave uh, from work and i went to live in bath with a friend of mine who was happened to own this house and he uh, he was kind of doing it up um and so i said i'll go down yeah I'll, i'll help do your house up and um, you know i'll get the novel finished at the same time the reality was i spent a lot of time thinking well i've got uh, i've got a couple of months left and then i would think well i've got about you know i've got six weeks left plenty of time i've got four weeks left plenty of time etc so with 10 days of uninterrupted free time i imagine i'd spend the first nine kind of relaxing uh maxing maybe shooting some b-ball uh etc and then i'd spend one day just cry what well, half a day crying and then i'd probably spend a few hours on that last day doing some some work yes and this is the reality we all i don't think you can call it backloading can you but we all do all the things we need to do right at the very last minute is that what you're saying 10 days you could do get just as much out of one day probably if you only had one day of uninterrupted time because No, because then you would only just use a few hours to do something. It would be crazy. <gasps> it would be crazy. I mean, it's a very enticing prospect. It really is. Um, and oh, can't wait to hear what Katie actually ends up doing on her ten days of. Actually, do you know I'm quite surprised it's that quick to get uh, across the Atlantic across on a cargo Atlantic. freighter. Yeah. Well, my, I... well, I was just going to say quickly that my. Well, I'm not sure whether it is, will be quick actually. Um, My uh, grandmother was from Canada. She was born on the prairies of Saskatchewan and um, she was orphaned at 14 and sent across to England on a ship all by herself to meet the, the extended family in the UK that she'd never met before. Um, imagine what a journey that would have been. And while she was there on deck, she slipped over and broke her arm. Ouch. Ouch. So uh so she had a very eventful crossing. I just I mean, you know, it's amazing if you are taking a journey because you're going somewhere, that is going to occupy all of your what you do with your time and your thoughts and everything. But if you're going somewhere just for the actual enjoyment of the journey, that's a whole different ball game, isn't it? Journeys are funny funny old things for uh writers and maybe to creative sorts in yeah. general. I mean, I've I um I've now got a lengthy commute three days a week soon to be slightly more um and uh not well not say lengthy not that lengthy it's about an hour but i'm uh i'm driving and i just wish the train times don't fall as they should for me to get to and from work in a in a timely manner but it would be like, i love traveling on trains and i always get work done on trains and it almost i don't know what it is about it but just reading or writing give me a train journey and i will be super productive I've tried to kind of transfer that into my car journeys. I'm not doing any reading and writing, don't worry. But I'm uh I've been using it for in fact this leads on to a topic that I haven't got in our document which tells us what we're going to talk about, but I I do want to talk about it. It's the cuckoo's calling. I'll come back to it. Um one of the things I've been doing is getting back into listening to podcasts. So I didn't have a commute for a while and I really stopped listening to podcasts pretty much apart from the odd one. Uh but now I listen to a few podcasts and um and i really enjoy it so it's about but journeys i give you that time it's because you're not able to do anything else it's a bit like a a deadline you just get forced into doing something and then by the end of it you go well actually that was quite productive that was okay so maybe if i was on a cargo ship even in a shipping container i would be far more productive in terms of reading and writing than i would be if i had the opportunity to sit on a beach or wander around coffee a coffee shop i don't know why i'd be wandering around a coffee shop probably get told to sit down after a while <laughs> um, i'm yeah. assuming that there's full internet um connectivity on this cargo freighter i mean that that also was is is vital piece, well, piece of information maybe i'd spend one of my days trying to get that set up in the container 
But imagine, that would actually be great, wouldn't it? If there wasn't. A world without internet? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's, it's fascinating. We look forward to hearing back from Katie in a couple of weeks' time, maybe. Indeed, yeah. What, a, what an adventure. She, I mean, it could be a really boring story, who knows, but it sounds like an adventure, so let's go with that. Hang on, Katie's a writer. It's not going to be a boring story. That she's, what are you talking about, Ian? Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so do you want to tell us about The Cuckoo's Calling, then, seeing as you just mentioned it? Yes. Um, OK, so I've, I've been, as I've just said, in my, in my commute, so six hours a week. More, actually, because I always get stuck in traffic. The journey back is always slightly more... Um, that's a lot of hours and a lot of the podcasts I listen to are, you know, around an hour. A couple of them are much more than an hour. And, um, and, and so my, I've been sort of filling my time with that. And, and instead I thought maybe I should try an audio book because, you know, I'm not, I'm not, because I've been so busy doing my freelance work in the evenings as well as in the daytime. Um, I've not had a lot of reading time, which we we talked about. Um, and I just thought, well, maybe I should give audiobooks a try um not like it's the you know a completely new concept to me it's just that i've never i've always felt a bit like cheating i would I almost feel like listening to an audiobook i would find it difficult to go and then say to someone oh i've just read whatever what do you do you feel like that or is that just a is that me <laughs> Yeah, but my, I'll just tell you quickly that my only ever experience with an audiobook was that a friend gave me a birthday present once, which was very random, very nice of her. It was the audiobook of um, Kieran Desai's in The Inheritance of Loss. Uh, it was in two CDs, and um, I was driving from Denmark to England on my own in the car, and I was like, get in, perfect time to listen to that. <clears throat> anyway, popped it in. CD1 didn't work, CD2 did. So I had to make the decision of whether to listen only to the second half of the book or just to, just to sack the whole thing off. So I never listened to it and I never have listened to an audiobook. Yeah, it, it feels like, uh, I mean, so well, basically, I, I, because of that, I thought I'm going to give it a try, but I'm not going to, it's so ridiculous. I'm not going to choose something that I necessarily want to read. <laughs> um but maybe something that I'm interested in, I kind of I want to know what it's like, uh, just because you know there's been some fuss about it or, or or whatever, and that's why I ended up with um, Robert Galbraith, aka J.K. Rowling's uh, The Cuckoo's Calling, which we talked about when it first came out last year, um, and and so it's a crime, it's a like a, a crime, I think yeah, crime fiction, which I don't typically read, but because it was J.K. Rowling, because there was a fuss about it. I, I thought, well, you know, and because I didn't want to listen to something I really wanted to read, because um, I felt it was cheating, I thought I'd give it a go. And and I think it got quite good reviews when it came out, if I remember rightly. I think there was general general consensus was, you know, not the best crime thriller ever written, but, you know, good. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked by how... See, I don't... I have a pretty much watertight policy of not slagging a writer off. Uh, any other writer off, but let's make an exception on the basis that J.K. Rowling will never listen to this, and I'll probably never meet her. I thought it was rubbish to the to the point of being it, it kind of almost offended my perhaps overly PC disposition. Um, I've listened to two hours worth of it. I've got another fourteen or fifteen hours to go, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some simple things like I was, I, you know, I usually read literary fiction, so obviously I've got a rod at my rod at my behind, and I, you know, I look down upon other fiction with a, a lofty kind of sense of betterness. Um, that aside, I was still expecting an awful lot more from the writing. There was like just really simple things like using the same word, like very close, not quite in the same sentence, but like really close. And I'm not just talking like sort of, you know, connectives or words that we appear often anyway, but like enchanted, that was a word. So something was enchanting or was enchanted. And it like this, it came up, it happened like twice in the space of, of what was probably like a paragraph or something. I just thought, hang on a minute, that's just not very good. But the bit that I was really shocked by, um, and I don't know if this was written in this way because um, she really felt like she wanted to get into the kind of, male uh, way of thinking um, as Robert Galbraith but every woman that was described to, up to two hours in quite a few women 
Um, every single one of them, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, they were described, A, by how beautiful they were, or not, and secondly, hair colour. Hmm. Every single one was a brunette, a redhead, or a blonde. And they were either beautiful or they were not. I mean, it was stereotype central. The the, the woman, who, without wanting to give spoilers away, the the person who's been murdered, so the central crime of the novel um, is, a, is, a, is a beautiful model who happens to be, uh, you know, um, uh, thin and kind of mysterious and had a drug problem and all that kind of thing. Uh, there's another woman, another. Uh, well, she, she's sort of sort of one of the main characters. I think she's going to be a woman who uh, uh, ends up being kind of the the um, detective, like the main detective, main character's um, secretary or personal assistant. And she's kind of over descriptions of how happy she is to have been in, to have been proposed to, and she's just got engaged. And you know, it's like borderline Mills and Boone. I'm being very harsh there, but you know, it's really sort of stereotypical. Uh, kind of stuff, and um, and and yeah, it was just it was. Oh, there was a, a rapper. Oh my goodness gracious me! There was a, a rapper that was actually described at one point as a black rapper, and as in as in BB <laughs> uh, Mac, um, uh, a black rapper from such and such. And it's just oh, it's so. It just made me cringe some of it. But my, the reason I say this is not to kind of badmouth this in public, although that's more enjoyable than I expected. Um, but just that I was so surprised. I mean, this got quite good reviews, and, and I just, you know, Harry Potter is... Uh, I've read the first three books, and, you know, I'm, I'll, I'm far from convinced that it's a book for adults. Um, um, but, you know, great book for kids, and, you know, it was really well, you know, well-written, well-plotted. You, know, you know, it's Harry Potter. But I just thought this was rubbish. Yeah, well, it's interesting, this thing about the good reviews... And J.K. Rowling definitely doesn't get good reviews just because she's J.K. Rowling. So that is very interesting. I, mean, I, I would say she gets negative reviews because she's J.K. Rowling. Quite possibly. And I am talking about mainstream reviews, so, you know, in The Guardian or Telegraph or wherever it might be. Yeah, where they might not otherwise be reviewing crime fiction, I guess. It's another thing. I mean, maybe that, maybe that's, that's actually not the case. I don't know. I mean, I haven't got a great deal more to say about it. it was just thought I thought it was worth saying and sort of pointing out those things. I was just really, especially the kind of the way that women were described. Um, I haven't really looked into it. I might sort of do a bit of a Google search and see if anyone else thought that that was a problem. And maybe yeah. it's me being, like I say, overly PC about it. But it just seemed like a, you know, I felt like a Paula Abdul's cat. It's you know, one step forward and two steps back. <laughs> well, yes, cliches. Sounds like one, one lot of them. One great big lot of them. One big great lot of cliché. <laughs> Did you listen to anything I just said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I wonder if the casual vacancy is is like that because she wrote that as herself, didn't she? Yes, that was kind of her first uh, literary novel. Yeah, interesting. She's pumping them out still. She is good on her. I imagine she's got a fair bit of, uh, fair bit of uh, uninterrupted time. Do you think so? Well, being J.K. Rowling, if she wants. If she wants, I guess. She also has children, doesn't she? I, I, probably. I'll probably getting towards being grown-up children. I think we're getting too far into this now. We're talking about her children and family like some kind of terrible journalists. <laughs> well, I'm already searching now. I can tell. I can hear you. Children. I can hear you. Let's talk about something um, slightly more useful to people. Um what now that you've just uh, badmouthed J.K. Rowling's book? Pretty much, yeah. I just, I just, I, I don't. I, like I say, now. No, I've no, said... it's all right. You don't have to go back into it. You just wanted to move on. <laughs> so you said you've, you've just done your badmouthing, and now we're going to move on. Fine. Fine. Do you want to talk about Scroller, or would you like to talk about Two Spaces After a Sentence? Yes, that one. Two spaces. Um, yeah. Two spaces. Two spaces after a sentence. Yeah. Now you you appear to have been very upset by this this week on uh, Twitter about the fact that people are using two spaces all over the shop. Yeah, I can't believe it still happens. Well, I couldn't believe it happened at all. I had never noticed. I I mean, if you've grown up in a school environment that tells you just, yeah, one space, you can't possibly imagine that anybody could ever have used two spaces or have thought that was a good idea. Yeah, well, so, yeah, let's, uh, to back up a touch, so I... Um, 
I just I can't even remember what I was working on, but I just I was read I read something um, in a word document of sorts, and it was uh, uh, every sentence had got two spaces before it. So this is how people a lot of people still write, which is what I which is what I'm you know it's what we're talking about is that you know you finish a sentence spacebar spacebar start the new sentence. Now this is a, a hang up uh, I, I, as I understand it from. Not from the 1970s or the 1980s. This is a hang-up from the 1800s and the uh, invention of typewriters. And I and I can't quite remember the exact details, but I think it's either something to do with um, the way that typewriters worked back then, um, or it may even be just uh, aesthetically when people were typing on a typewriter, two spaces made things clearer or looked better. I can't quite remember. But basically, people used to do the two space thing when they use typewriters now we've been using computers and word processors for um, uh, I don't know 30 40 years ish at least something like that um, uh, for a while now and you know it's it's it never I, I until a few years ago when I noticed this was happening it never entered my head to use uh, two spaces and people and I've asked people about this, uh, and they say it's, oh, it's just the way that they were taught. And, and people have been surprised when I said, "Well, you know, it's just it's just one space." And you know, people who have been doing that say, "Oh, I, I had no idea." And um, I think you will see it more now that I mention it to you, because it's not always easy to see, because you know, it's just mm. a small space; it's not much. Um, mm. But it's absolutely wrong. There's no need for anyone in the entire world to be doing two spaces. And if you think that it's some kind of traditional thing, a bit like writing a letter, some people still think it's extremely important to say something like dear sir or madam or or to whom it may concern. That's all nonsense. You don't need to say any of those things. And you don't need to have two spaces after a sentence either. This is, uh, this is crazy. I know. I'm going to start noticing it all over the place and be uh, annoyed about it now. Do you know what I saw uh, a couple of months ago? What? Three spaces. So oh, don't get out of town. I'll tell you why I know, because I saw the two spaces. I saw the, I saw the, 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 there was too many spaces. And so I did what I always do, and it's what I recommend you do if you're a person who, who does the double spacing, is you use the find and replace utility on your word processing software. So find, and then you press space, space, and then you replace all with space. And, um, and I did that on this document, and then it came back and I thought, there's still an extra space in there. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and lo and behold, there's three spaces. I mean, think of, think of if, that, if someone's been doing that all their lives, think of the collective time spent doing two extra spaces every time they end a sentence. Absolutely. You could, if you squeeze all that together, all that time wasted, you could probably get yourself around 10 days uninterrupted in Maybe. a shipping container. And actually, physically, you could get so many more characters to work with. I mean, these people obviously are not writing online, where they have a you know fixed number of characters they have to get in by. Just whopping a couple of extra spaces. I know. I don't. I don't know what to say. Now, you've mentioned your wonderful mum uh, already in this episode. What do you think she's going to make of the last five minutes? Why we haven't mentioned that my mum? Oh, we haven't met. <laughs> You just led me in there to to outing my mum as a two-spacer. She's a double-spacer. She's a wonderful woman, and uh, I, I love her dearly, but she's a double-spacer. I was a little bit shocked to to just check a, one of my mum's emails there. Hi, mum, again. Hi, mum. We are <laughs> loving you this episode. Uh, and, and you are. You're, you're a double-spacer, mum. Why? Why? I need to know why. We'll give her a ring. <laughs> and get her on the show. We can have a panel. We can have a panel show. Defend herself. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, so you have completely um, dissed my mum, J.K. Rowling, and what else? Is there anything else left you want to do this episode? Uh, I also dissed you heavily when whilst trying to uh, do a sponsor read. It's been I've yes. been very aggressive. I don't know what's happened. Don't know what's going on, especially to someone who has a cold. I mean, I have a cold, a serious cold can only breathe out of one nostril. And that's the way you treat me this episode. Anyway. Oh, dear. So um, I think we've helped a lot of people in the process, though. <laughs> we have, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a whole new world of two spaces. I have never even realised that some people did that. They do, and, um, and you know, my suggestion is that... Uh, well, it's not, just, it's not just because it's kind of... Uh, 
personally upsetting is <laughs> because, uh, you know, you don't need to. I think it's yeah. a tradition thing. I want to break down the traditions of writing. You can still do good spells, good grammars, write nicely in simple, clear language. All of these nonsensical traditions that we have hanging over us still, like two spaces, like silly things like to whom it may concern, even things like yours sincerely, or should I, put, or should I write yours sincerely, or should I write yours faithfully? Yours faithfully? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And um, Well, you see that... That's, oh god. Oh. I don't know about that Ian. Well, I know that the thing is, I know that there is a distinction if you get a, I'm sure if you buy a book or look on the internet how to write a letter, you will be said to you, well you I don't know what these situations are because I think it's nonsense, but you'll say, well if it's in this situation, you must write yours sincerely. However, if it's in this this uh, different situation, you must write yours faithfully, bearing in mind that in a situation where you might actually communicate with someone in real life, you would never use either of those terms at all. Hmm. Yes. It's a a very specific situation we're talking about where you would use either of those. And that is a very formal situation in the first place. Well, what, what what is the situation? Do you remember what it is? What, when you use sincerely and faithfully? Yeah. Faithfully is when you don't know who you're writing to and sincerely is when you do know the name of the person. It's crazy. That's crazy. What, what, who cares? <laughs> but but what I mean about the formal situation is, is, is you said, you know, if you met this person in real life, you wouldn't be doing that. If you met that person in real life in those situations, it would be a formal situation and there would still be etiquette and things you'd have to do anyway, verbally, not just on paper. You'd say, you know, you do the pleasantries and, you know, all this kind of stuff and thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. This, we're bound up in all of these things. I totally agree about the two-space nonsense, but I do like the fact that we do keep a bit of respectful writing in our formal formal texts. I do like that. I occasionally will, uh, if, if it's someone I don't know, perhaps in an email, something like that, I might end with a slightly more formal best wishes. You're only going to get one or two of those. If we know each other in any way, you're going to get a thanks or cheers or see you next week, that kind of thing. And I'm just not having it. If, you, if it was someone you met in an interview situation, someone you didn't know, a formal situation, and mm-hmm. you know, you'd had the interview and you're about to say goodbye, much like you know, I'm in a yours sincerely, yours faithfully kind of way, of course, you're not going to say, you're not going to say... Um, Tom, actually. Well, cheers, mate. Thanks for that. I'll uh, see you next week, cock. Wait, hey. Yeah. No. You, but you would say, oh no, it's really nice to meet you. Um, you know, uh, uh, really looking forward to uh, to uh, starting next week, and um, and you know, thanks very much for uh, for giving me the opportunity. And that's all clear, perfectly normal language. You wouldn't start sort of turn into like you know Billy Wobbledagger and start sort of espousing you know crazy <laughs> crazy words for long words for no reason. Absolutely. I, I, faithfully, again, again, I faithfully appreciate the opportunity presented to me. No, I agree. But you just, the example you just gave there, you'd, you've, had, you've actually spoken to this person. And so you're able to judge for yourself about how to, the best way to communicate. The point about this is, is that you haven't met this person. And that is why you just have to do a standard uh, introduction because you haven't met them. You have no idea whether they are, <clears throat> what kind of person they are or, or, or what they're into. Right. You're at work. You've been visit. We're at visit Denmark. We're in the office. All of us. Everyone listening to this. Yeah. You've been promoted. Woo-hoo! Oh my god! <laughs> I can't believe they didn't tell me that today. Oh, that's so good. You've now got to employ a brand new team, and you're sifting through the applications, and um, uh, and you're looking at them, and and everyone's a, you know everyone's sort of sent in, done everything that they need to do. One person didn't write yours faithfully in the letter. What are you going to do? What's your opinion of that person? Well, this is a very interesting question, seeing as our, nothing happens in English at my work. It all happens in Danish. And do you know what? I miss the familiarity of language with people you're not familiar with, like yours sincerely and yours faithfully. The rules that I know, because doing it in, in a foreign language, is, is the, the rules are all so different. And then it's I need to know, what do I need to say to that person? How do I finish that email in Danish? You know, people are shocked sometimes by me, I think, in Danish, because I am the person that goes, well, hey, nice to meet you, thanks a lot, in Danish, when I should have said, thank you for this and see you next time. 